some fanfare for our guest. It's Olympic season, and I was uh, I'm all into. I know. Did you know that? I'm so obsessed with you, the Olympics. Oh, you must have been loving the gold medalist from the Twin Cities. Yes. Uh, yes. I love Suni Lee, and you're a gold medalist, Vinny, and that's oh. why you get that music. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So we're lucky to have you here today with us. So welcome to Vinny. Vinny has a, a really incredible background. Currently a consultant in physician integration and the leadership practice at Wit Kiefer. And prior to working at Wit Kiefer, has experience in a delivery system at the Loyola University Health System uh, as a service line manager as well as a practice director over a couple of different practice areas there. Um, has an MBA from the Quinlan School of Business at Loyola, Loyola University, Chicago, and is certified Lean Six Sigma. So lots of things that we can unpack and talk <laughs> about there. We're really excited to have you, but help us fill in a little more um, the what's behind all of that. Tell us a little bit about your journey and what, expi- what inspires you. Yeah, I think healthcare has always been part of sort of what I grew up around, came from a family of physicians. Early on in your career, I was trying to figure out where you can have the biggest impact and bring the most value, I suppose. Um, and so started my career, I think, prior to being on a del- in a delivery network was in the pharmaceutical industry, um, working with independent practices. I sold insulin at the time to primary care practices, endocrinologists, and hospitals. And, and that was at a time when getting your medication on a formulary was really changing that delivery model where it used to be one doctor built a relationship and and used your product, so to speak. And it then became pharmacy and therapeutics. And, and now with big systems, that's obviously pretty relevant. Um, so I learned a lot about individual practices, how they manage patient experiences, how they manage insurance, how they run a business. Um, and so I got pretty interested in sort of what was on the other side. And that led to going back to school, uh, interning between my first and second year at, at Duke University Hospital and and learning about compounding facilities and, and how they managed that side of it, but also what a pharmacist did in a hospital, um, which led to understanding and, and learning and meeting about people who went through an administrative fellowship, applied to a bunch of different ones and stayed in Chicago and got to learn from people like Pradeepta as well as others in, in a health system. You mentioned the the practice director role. I think that would have been really interesting to talk about less the experience uh, that you're put in, in terms of dealing with physicians and helping them run their practice, but also managing a staff. And then in some of the areas that I had were pretty specialized. So that experience led me to think about the next job that I really want to work in an inpatient hospital. And for me, it, it was not that. It was more about how do you build teams? How do you build strategies? And how do you put them to market? And so ran into someone at a barbecue and started talking about how I viewed the world and what I liked doing. And they said they were looking for somebody that could talk to physicians. And I was like, is that a job? Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it is a job and it is, um, it's been really interesting. It's sort of innate. It's not been really difficult to, to engage with physicians, but it's it's been interesting to have a consulting experience um, like this where you're dealing with different hospitals, dealing with different structures. I think you think one hospital has it figured out and, and you learn about sort of the challenges they may have and, and how you might be able to, to help. And ultimately, I think that that was sort of where I wanted to be. How do you help physicians be more impactful in, in healthcare. And so that's been part of it. But I'm probably a healthcare nerd to some degree of how do we 
think about things differently? How do you look for different models that might work and, and how do you find product and, and market fits? And, and so, you know, there's a lot of good ideas out there. Not everyone will stick, but, you know, I think I've learned over time, you've got to integrate yourself into workflows and physicians like autonomy and they like to sort of have their idea put forth. And so, yeah, it's a small practice in terms of physician leadership at uh, Whit Kiefer. And we're grateful to be working with some of our big clients, some are small clients, some are, um, you know, trying to do things differently in healthcare. And I think uh, through the pandemic, we've seen some interesting things. Well, thank you. That's very interesting. And you have such a unique background. So we're very excited to talk to you. Uh, Our topic today is the thing about healthcare is clinical leaders inform the strategy. You know, healthcare management has become more of a profession, um, and a lot of non-clinical people, of course, often enter into that space. But at the end of the day, right, it's about operationalizing the clinical vision. And so we really need strength in those spaces and just great collaborative partnerships. So how do you think we need to change our thinking around just physician leadership capabilities as we think about taking healthcare to the next level? As you said, this profession has been built around how physicians interact with their patients and how they sort of back office things can be managed as well as the now the, the front end. I think historically it's been clinical leaders have been those that have been respected because they're good clinicians. And then the longer they've been with an organization, they often find themselves in different leadership roles on committees. And then that moves into the role, I think historically was vice president of medical affairs. It's sort of evolved to chief medical officer. And now you're seeing chief clinical officers or or chief chief physician executives, I should say. So that role of, of chief medical officer was someone who had a lot of experience, someone who could oversee quality, safety, and then work with physicians in a way that would help operations, maybe more by influence. I think now you're seeing how does that role of someone who has clinical expertise, but also has now gained some business experiences, um, whether that's an MBA or whether that's just on the job, how can they help impact operations? I think we see large systems thinking about, you know, we have 50 hospitals. How do we think about scaling quality across those 50 hospitals. We need our clinical voice to help us get there. So, you know, I think across hospital landscapes of, you know, chief executives, even for example, you know, 5% of physicians perhaps today lead our hospitals of, you know, 5,000 across the U.S. Um, So how do you continue to increase that number in the right way? If strategic decisions are going to be needing clinical input, how do you put people in position to have the right experiences to be at the the table? And so that's been a lot of what we think about when formulating and designing good medical group structures or good chief medical officer, chief physician executive type roles. Who do they report to? What are they going to be responsible for? What are, what are you looking for? And I think, what is the right cultural fit for an organization? But um, I really do see that, you know, physician leaders need to be part of that conversation when you're developing a strategic plan. And it can't be without them, because I think we've both experienced situations where you design a good strategy and you think about, you know, budgets and and, and landscapes of ORs and, and how you think, you know, a budget can be realistic. Well, the physician that is the surgeon that is going to be doing the work isn't part of it, it doesn't lend itself to be incredibly successful. But you highlighted how just the title of what this what physician leaders roles are called, you know, beyond sort of the evolution of the title, what are some of the other trends or themes that you see as you've worked with organizations to put together structures? 
I think physicians have a lot of different options when you think about healthcare in general, whether that's working in a delivery network, whether that's working, you know, for a high growth organization that might be backed by call private equity or, you know, through the pandemic, it's been Fortune 500 companies looking for physician leaders. Um, So the skill sets, I think, you know, depend upon, it goes beyond the quality, the safety. I think it's, it's true leadership. So how does someone look at a problem and solve it with other people? How do they design you know, roles and responsibilities of their team to be successful. I think that the strategic view clearly is is an interesting part of it. I think physicians that, that can see a broader scope than just their probably clinical specialty, often if they can't get beyond, you know, the time that they spend clinically as well as that interaction, those folks tend not to be able to see a, how the big picture of healthcare is is fitting together. Um, so I think it's it's now looking at something beyond just their own environment. And how do you, I mean, what do you see has been successful or, or models that you've seen that has worked well to, to teach that? I mean, I think we know has the sort of historical viewpoint model of the physicians take care of the patient that's in front of them. And that's sort of, you know, that's the stereotype, if you will, of physicians that get really um, tunnel visioned on, well, this is what I need to solve this immediate problem. So what have you seen are the ways to encourage that broader strategic thinking? And how does how's that, that skill set and how can organizations grow that skill set amongst their physician leaders? Yeah, I think it's it, it's experiences first. I think obviously the clinical component is is important, so you have the appreciation for what that is. Um, I think involvement in in different work, whether it becomes you know sitting on committees, leading those committees, sort of continuing to have progressive leadership experiences. I think there's a certain point where someone makes a decision to shift from their clinical practice to more of a leadership role, and then that might mean getting an MBA. I, I think. An MBA is not the magic wand necessarily. Um, it's great. Um, it gives a physician a different perspective on whether it's different industries working with different in a format of a team. I think often business school projects are done in that format of a, a team-based project, and so I think that those are those are good skills. They then get to a sense of some of the finance and accounting pieces that that maybe are happening in their organization and and now have a better appreciation. But I think you've got to augment any experience and and further education with with experiences. So then I think it it becomes about, you know, exposing yourself in an if we're using a health system as an example, the inpatient environment, the outpatient environment, the continuum of care. And then today it's it's probably a lot more healthcare at home or telehealth pieces yeah. too. And so do they see how all those components can fit together? Um, often we're telling folks about delivery models, like how, where do the patients come from and, and how do you engage that group? That's been probably what, what we've seen. So can you talk a little bit about, I'm really curious about creating effective dyad and triad partnerships, because I think the reality is, right, we all need each other to be successful. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes either organizations are incredibly siloed or they are incredibly matrixed. And then you get into questions of, well, who makes the decisions, <laughs> right? You can yeah. kind of go yeah. between all these different models. But what advice would you give to different leaders? It's not necessarily physicians, but leaders leaders generally as we think about working together more collaboratively, but in a way that's actually effective and moving the work forward. The bigger the organizations get, in some cases, it it does become a matrix. I think there needs to be an appreciation, if it's a dyad model, of what one person does really well and what the other does is what's their strengths. And so how do you 
you see good communication sort of up front and sort of objectives aligned in a way that complement each other. So I, I don't think it's a physician and administrator partnership where one needs to outshine the other. I think it's sort of how do we think about what we're asked to do and, and do that well. I think I've seen it in, in medical groups pretty well where the mission of the organization or the reason that they're there is is very well thought of. They've got a charter, they've got sort of a, this is what, what we're trying to do and, and have everybody aligned to that. I think there's organizations that have that in their mission, you know, integrated clinic models sort of have that where they design everything around the patient and say, we're going to, we're going to create something where it's, everything is under one roof. And that is, it's got to be very collaborative because decisions are made by multiple, you know, leaders in the organization, chairs of departments are, are making decisions for, you know, investment in, in the organization. And I think that that, Mission alignment is probably key because if it's not there, then like you said, I think it then starts to fall apart in sort of the structure. If there's a us versus, you know, physicians versus administrator conflict, then that doesn't work that well. But I think it, it is sort of when you go across the country, it's in pockets where it works really well in an organization if it's not part of your broader mission and, and sort of what you're about as an organization. In healthcare, there continues to be lots of consolidation and organizations are getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, you mentioned matrix, matrices, um, that there used to, used to be one by one. And now there's many more matrices, I feel like, that get layered on, on top every day. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of dynamic of consolidation, increasing complexity, what are the competencies that you think are really essential for, I'd say, both what should be what should organizations be looking for in physician leaders, but also for the non-physician leaders that are doing that partnering, what are the competencies that people should be focusing on developing? You start to see, as these organizations have gotten bigger, you know, are you tracking outcomes in terms of the quality of care, the cost of care. You know, I have a brother that's in private practice and much of my, you know, interactions and, and sort of thought processes is around, you know, that that concept of having autonomy and being able to to run your own business. I think that those pieces are are inherent to a physician being successful. So in that matrices, you know, you don't want to manage the doctor that's leading that charge. You want to allow them for you know, I think at, in the entry point, you want to make sure they're a good fit with your organization. Like, do they have the skills that you're looking for? What are you asking this person to do? And what resources are you giving them to, to be able to do that? And I think in the, in those dyad partnerships, it's sort of to say, you know, what is realistic once you're in those roles of what can be done and what maybe is, is something that from a priority perspective is not going to get done, you know, this year. I think, we, you know, physicians tend to want to have the the reins and want to be able to, you know, I think they think anything can be possible and often it, it can be, but in, in a team environment, you've got to be able to say, here's what we, here are sort of the, the rails we have to operate within because any delivery network is, or system is going to have budgetary constraints. And so what, what is possible versus what, what may not be. Um, but I don't think you want to stifle good ideas. And, and I think I've seen in those matrices, having councils where it brings together you know, the inpatient leaders, as well as the medical group to sort of talk about what are our issues and clearly, you know, how do you continue to engage physicians around wellness and, and not burn out your, your workforce? Um, but that that's probably a couple examples. There's been a lot of discussion about physician burnout and how to, how to keep physicians engaged. And so I'd really be interested in your thoughts there around, you know, is 
you, you want, you know, sometimes I think it's like, well, you know, this, I, I'm, I'm getting burnt out on clinical practice. Maybe I should go the administrative route. And is that something that you're seeing? And, you know, how do you sort of manage through that? Because sometimes it's like, you know, say, I don't know that it's the, the struggles of the day to day and the frustrations are any different on the administrative side. Uh, it's just compounding. So I was just curious your thoughts about that. I would just add to that, right? And then you see the physicians who are saying, you know, I want to have an impact on the system. I want to move into these roles. And then the challenges we're faced with are so extraordinary, like staffing shortages, uh, financial challenges. And it's like, I was happier being a clinician. (laughs) So I think it kind of goes both ways, right? I just want to practice medicine. Yeah, it's just a really hard (laughs) profession right now. And so as we think about burnout, wellness, all of that, I'm actually curious on both sides, because we all need to be successful in all of those spaces. Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe taking a step back in terms of why they want to get into to leadership, I think is is a pretty good question because it's not they're different challenges. It's not any easier. Um, so often we have conversation about you know do you know what this what you're getting yourself into or or how have you prepared yourself to deal with conflict or deal with um, situations where I think often people say, you know, I get to win-win or I want to get to consensus. Well, sometimes you've got to make a decision. And so we spent a lot of time sort of trying to understand someone's why of, of what is, what, what, what drives you to, to what you do or what inspires you. Um, Cause I think to the earlier point of do leaders see beyond kind of their microcosm of, of what they're interacting with today? And, and do you want to make a bigger impact? Do you know what it takes to, to do that? You know, I, I think about sort of when I was on the health system side, there's always a cost to augmenting a, a physician's clinical experience. So using the example of a scribe, those were always pretty difficult to get extra FTEs. But in the world that we're in, we could show that they could be more productive. In a clinic setting, should we have the most advanced trained person doing data entry for two hours at the end of the day? So I think there's there's something around, it's not productivity necessarily at every minute. It's if you're running a, you're managing a team, you want your team to be probably functioning at, you know, 85% or 80% capacity, not 110. So in healthcare, given the design and the economic model, the margins are so thin that we're having to do that. And so how do we come up with ways where workflow can be more efficient to, to help sort of that frontline physician? And I think we need physician leaders who've experienced those types of things where it's gotten in the way. And then I think you see an emergence of organizations trying to persuade physicians from their own private practice instead of selling to a hospital, you know, sell to this group that has an investment of money that can take care of all the other burdens that you're dealing with and give you better work-life balance, give you better appreciation for what you're doing, where you can have your clinic, finish it and go home. So that's an interesting trend. So one of the things and I imagine you're very focused on in your role and something that I think we all should be thinking about is just effective succession planning. So how do you from a physician perspective, or maybe even more broadly, like how do you kind of advise people to think about succession planning and really not just on paper, I'm working with this person around a succession plan, but actually making it effective and actually implementing on that plan. And I think 
you know, maybe the example I'm thinking about, you know, having worked with more junior physician leaders who are just stellar, right? They have these great ideas, but they always kind of bump up against, well, I can't tell that senior person to go do that. Um, That's not going to go well. I'm the junior person. Um, But how do we really help people succeed? And how do we start to think about those succession plans? And I don't know if you've seen that being done effectively? And what can we kind of learn from that to support rising leaders? It's a really good question. Often you look at other industries, it's about performance and it's about outcomes. Um, so I think, you know, healthcare does need to develop that structure and, and develop the idea that just because somebody is, you know, more junior doesn't mean that they couldn't, you know, be the leader. Um, and I often think too, in, in maybe more academic settings, it's, all, you know, the currency has long been, you know, NIH funding or, or if being a, a funded investigator. And, and that is very difficult to do, uh, but sometimes is is not necessarily the needs of a, a department leadership role. And so, how do you how do you find those folks that have had all of those experiences to be able to help develop others, or maybe they didn't have that experience, but they can help other people go do that. So I think it's it's how an organization defines leadership, and then what experiences do they help them get? And I think you know hospital leadership has had sort of the administrative fellowship role as a kind of leadership development type of program. Um, and then it, it sort of allows someone to see the entire picture and then they get into their roles and now they're, they're more able to understand the why. Um, I think, you know, on the physician side, that's potentially something to, to think about as well. So how do you think about or guide organizations to just, you know, improve diversity um, in leadership positions and particularly in physician leadership positions? I think that's incredibly important that, you know, whether they're the front line or, you know, we're kind of reflecting the populations that we serve. So how are you yeah. incorporating that into your practice on a day-to-day basis? Interesting question. We've we've spent a lot of time as a firm trying to figure out how do we change conversation? How do we, you know, often in academic settings, it can be a search committee. So how do you ensure that they understand the concepts of unconscious bias? When you think about the statistics of those that would be of underrepresented minorities or gender uh, from women leaders perspective. I think it's the stats are sort of from the population to, to medicine are, are much lower in, in sort of the, the pool of, of qualified folks that would be in, in line for a leadership role. So, uh, you know, our, our approach has been to be inclusive of candidates who have expressed interest in, in what they're, you know, what they bring in terms of experiences as well as results. And then someone that has not had as many years is is going to have a different profile. But I, I think it's encouraging those institutions that are asking for that and sort of saying, you may be recruiting for a, you know, a chair of medicine, but this person has been a division chief or this person is leading a, a program uh, that's an institute and, and they've had this much experience. So getting outside of what the traditional path has been, perhaps. And I think about this probably more broadly as well. Um, I serve on a board in my hometown and we work with kids that are between the ages of six and 18 and, and they come from diverse backgrounds. They come from oftentimes lower socioeconomic communities as, as well as um, being potentially the first child of their family to go to college. So how do you help kids at that age get exposure to whatever career they, they want to pursue? And I think in medicine, it's it's probably too late when we're talking about it in an organization. Um, what are you doing to connect that sort of pipeline of 
middle school, high school, medical school, college and medical school students to, to really change that. Because it's not going to happen overnight, but I think us as an industry, to your initial point of how do you help your leadership look like your community, I think is, is pretty vital. You raise an interesting, uh, maybe this is a teaser for a future episode, but just the cost of medical education and mm-hmm. how restrictive that is. I mean, I'm just trying to connect the dots between what you've shared about uh, the board that you serve on and just the gap from there to putting yourself through that kind of education. It's pretty tremendous. So we'll have to figure out how to talk to about that. In kind of switching gears a little bit. So what lessons have you learned? I mean, you've had a pretty broad and deep experience in different spaces in healthcare. So, you know, what have you learned maybe being on the healthcare recruitment side of the world (laughs) that's maybe different than what you thought? Like what surprised you? Human behavior (laughs) is tough to predict. That surprised you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you think I've seen, you know, great strategies that that are like, wow, that's really impressive. Or like this organization has it figured out. And um, you've got to have the people that also align with sort of this delivery model that you've thought long and hard about. And I think on the health system side, you know, when you're in a organization, I think you expect people, you know, you know what you're working with maybe perhaps, and you know how people react to certain things or things that are potential uh, challenges. And I think on the the other side of it, you're having to learn an organization, you're having to advise them on what you're seeing across the country. And then then it becomes sort of how do we help them find the right person in the right location at the right time? And that that is um, sort of a ever changing challenge. And I think it's especially over the last, you know, 14 months or so, it's been a, a challenge for the organizations we're working with that challenge for candidates that are looking potentially at the the next step in their career. And I think it's been a challenge for for all of us to be flexible, but I think you've seen a lot of people be pretty resilient. And and that's been that's been interesting. I think as a for us as a professional services firm too, it's um we've been around for 50 years and it's sort of evolved from a small firm to, to now one that is is more widely recognized. But the ability to be responsive and the ability to meet the needs of clients is easier when you're talking about it than, than actually when you're doing it. And so, yeah, I think regardless of what's going on, we've been able to be focused and, and still help in a small way make make change in healthcare. Well, so from all of your experience and, and what you've seen in your uh, your various engagements, What's a piece of advice that you've received from a mentor or um, someone that's had a big impact on your career that really sticks with you? <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I think as a as an administrator, it was um, don't forget the fact that you know we built a career out of what that clinical interaction is. So between doctor, patient, nurse, and patient, medical assistant, and patient. So the appreciation of you know why you're doing what you're doing is ultimately to impact that. And then I think on on the other side of being on the consulting side, it's also don't forget what it was like to be an administrator or being part of a healthcare system because I think there's always things you would hope went a different way, but uh, or frustrations that come up. I think it's understanding why if you're part of healthcare in any way, you've got to it's got to be about that less you know other incentives or other things that that might be important to someone. I think. Over the last 14 months, we've seen some things that you know we wish we could have addressed differently, and I think we have a lot of opportunity to do that. But if you forget about why you're doing it, I don't know if you'll be hugely successful. You're still Vinny from the block. <laughs> That's right. 
Okay. I Let thought that was like somebody's uh, yeah. bathroom in the background. No. Someone's washing their hands. That's good. Well, hand washing, very important. Hand washing is very good. So Wear a mask to daycare, everybody. Yeah. No, that was our audience because on the theme of Olympics, you've landed the floor exercise and you've won the mm. gold, Vinny. So thank you. The floor <laughs> exercise. Man, that was tough. Yeah. The, the, the inches of stepping out of bounds versus staying in bounds. But you did it. You stayed in bounds for us here today. So, well, thank you so much, Vinny, for joining us. We appreciate your time. We know you're very busy. And this was a really unique conversation. You have uh, a very interesting perspective. So thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, for our audience, we hope that you will join us again next time. Okay, bye-bye. Don't forget to subscribe.